Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Lives and Lord, we just pray right now that you would be a part of this this service and this message today, Father, that you would help us, Father, that you would encourage us, God, that you just would uh, just just meet with us in this place right now, that your presence would be here. And Father, we pray, Lord, for those that uh, are not able to be here due to sickness. Lord, there's just a lot of people right now that are struggling. Father, we pray your healing power, God, upon them. We send the word to them right now in Jesus' name, and we declare them healed in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you, God, uh, for your great grace in our lives. Amen. Isn't God good tonight? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll get to that here in just a minute. But I just want to begin to really remind you of something that's probably pretty basic. You know, if you've been in church any length of time, and, and, and what I mean by that is if you've been in church two weeks, you're going to know um, that there's something that's special, if I could say that, about prayer. Prayer is a fundamental cornerstone in our belief system. Can you say amen? We believe in the power of prayer. We, we practice prayer. We believe God answers prayer. And it's something that needs to be a regular part of our lives. The, the, the thing that astonishes me uh, in my experience, not only just in my life, but what I watch in others is how often we don't pray. How often we look to other things or other circumstances or other avenues of, of fixing our problems or dealing with our situations or looking for wisdom for our uh, direction, wisdom in our life to know how to do what we need to do. We go to all kinds of things in life and then generally speaking, prayer ends up being kind of the last resort. We kind of term it like this, well, I guess, I guess all there is to do now is pray. And, you know, we kind of say it like that, and the reality is we should have started with that. Can you yeah. say amen? Yeah. We should have said, what we need to do now is pray. Yeah. And then, I'm not saying all those other avenues don't have merit or they don't have value, but many of them won't work unless we have first prayed. Um, we, we really need that kind of thing in our life. It's so important this evening that we have a lifestyle of prayer, a habit, a discipline, if I could use that word, a discipline of prayer. I believe that in the heart of every Christian, there should be a rally, rallying cry of pray first. Pray first in every situation, whether it's good or bad. We pray before we act. Now I want you to listen to a verse of Scripture, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 out of the New Living Translation. It says this, don't worry about anything. And you know what? You could stop right there. And that's a series of sermons right there. Don't worry about anything. Anything, it doesn't matter what it is, the car, the cat, the puppies, the roof, 
the next door neighbor, your job, your finances, your boat. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's powerful right there, church. That is a passage of scripture that we really need to put into the the workings of our everyday life. That we worry about nothing but pray about everything. See, prayer this, this evening is not begging God to do something he's unwilling to do. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. Prayer, listen, you need this. Prayer is enforcing Christ's victory over Satan. Now, we know there's a lot of things we know that we could say that prayer is talking with God or prayer is making our requests made known to God. We, we could talk about the fact that prayer has worship and praise involved in it, and we could talk about uh, things like declaration and, and uh, uh, declaring, and we could talk about standing on the promises and all of that. But at the end of the day, when you pray, what you're doing is you are enforcing what God's already said yes to. We know the Bible says that his promises are yes and amen. That means he's already said yes, and we finish it by saying amen. Right? And so when we pray, what we're really doing is we are entering into a realm where we are now going to enforce and really bring a rallying cry to the victory that Jesus has already paid for. Prayer is engaging in heaven's supply to impact the affairs of men on earth. And let me say this to you this evening. Prayer is the secret to breakthrough. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your life, if you are looking for an answer, if you're looking for direction, provision, healing, whatever it might be, and you're looking for God to do something, prayer is the answer. It is the answer. And there's all kinds of forms of prayer, and we're not going to get into all of that tonight. But what I want to say to you and what I want to encourage you with is that you, you go from this place and say, you know what I got to do is I need to be much more engaged amen. in prayer. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Yes. Now, part of this, let me just kind of do a little bit of a, a segue here if I can and give you just a, a little bit about what I'm going to minister on Sunday morning. I'm going to talk about Sunday morning. The title of my message is Pressing Into Faith. You know, the, the, one of the things that I've noticed is, is that I've noticed this particularly in my life, is that for a long time in my life, I kind of just waited. I knew the promise. I would pray the promise. And then I would just kind of wait. And oftentimes what would happen is I would get very discouraged in the waiting. And I would start to allow myself the luxury of trying to figure it out. (laughs) Amen? 
that I would try, my mind would begin to go to work and it would begin to chew on, well, what have I done wrong? Is the problem with God? Did God hear my prayer? Did I do this? Did I do that? Did I do, did I do something wrong? What's going on? What's, what's happening? You know, it's, and you try to explain it. And what Jesus tells us is lean into faith. Faith, and there's going to be some that may look at me and go, I don't like that, but I'm going to tell you something. Faith is an action. Faith is not static. Faith is moving. Belief is static. But faith is an action. And prayer, many times prayer, is how we lean into our faith. I want you to just think about this for a moment. Think about the man, blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus, he hears that Jesus is coming by him. He's been blind for a very long time. He can't see. But he hears Jesus is on his way. Now, no doubt he has heard about this man, Jesus. He has heard that this is a miracle worker, that he heals the sick. He opens blind eyes. He does all this stuff. And so what does he do? He does the only thing he can do. He could just say, God, would you please have Jesus pay attention to me and wait. But he doesn't. He starts crying out, Jesus! Jesus! And then when the people around him try to hush him, you're making making a scene. Chill out. Stop it. Stop. Don't do that. You're embarrassing yourself. And furthermore, and more importantly, you're embarrassing me. Stop this. And the Bible says that he cries even louder. What is he doing? He's praying. He's praying. And he's leaning in to what he believes, his faith. His faith is the lean. And he's pushing in. He's going, you know what? I have this opportunity. Jesus is passing by. I don't know if he's ever going to get back here again. I have an opportunity to get my sight, and I'm not going to let it go by. That's how we need to do this. That's how we need to act. I'm going to tell you a story. This true story happened to me just recently. So the last time I preached, which was two weeks ago, um, actually about three weeks, going on three weeks now, I was right here on the platform, and I'm doing my normal thing like I do. And, you know, so I get up there, and I got a big mouth, and I start running my mouth. That's what preachers do. And I go, you know what? I, my body is not going to define who I am. My God is a healer, and I'm healed. And, that's, and, you know, that's fine and well to say all that when you're not feeling bad. And so that's what I'm doing, and I'm, I'm healed, I'm healed, and God's my healer, and my body is not going to, my body is not going to dictate what I believe. Well, that was Sunday. Monday goes by, Tuesday, I'm putting on my pants, for heaven's sakes, and I stumble, and I wrench my knee. By Tuesday afternoon, I can't walk. And when I say I can't walk, I can't walk. I, Andy brought crutches, and I still couldn't walk. I still had to have help. It was horrific. By Wednesday, I'm in so much pain, just leaning my leg against a pillow was excruciating. I called Andy. I said, you got to take me to the hospital. 
So here I am, I'm hobbling best I can on these crutches. And crutches are made so that you push down and you lift up the leg that's broken and you kind of slide. Well, when you're as big as I am, there ain't no pushing down. So I'm having to drag this horrible, broken, painful leg. It takes me about 10 minutes to get from my front door to the car. Then we get to the hospital. Andy goes, I got to run some errands. I'm going to cut you loose. <laughs> and so some guy comes out with a wheelchair, brings the wheelchair. I get in the wheelchair. They roll me into the... Into the that's, that is really gracious to say that. They roll me into that place. And I'm sitting there. And the devil starts talking. Oh. So you're defined by your body or not? You, where's your God right now? How is that pain? How's that feel? And so I'm sitting there, and so there, man, this mic is just driving me nuts. There is a woman sitting right here. So I start talking. She must think I'm nuts. I went, I'm healed. I'm healed. Just like that. And I went, I don't care. Shut your mouth. I'm healed. <laughs> this lady's looking at me. I said, I, I said, I'm healed. I will not be defined by the pain in my leg. I am healed. Amen. I'm healed. Six hours later, they take me to the back, and I'm still saying, I'm healed. Doc says, how you doing? I said, I'm healed, but there's a whole lot of pain in my leg right now. What? There's a lot of pain in my leg. Well, we can't do anything for you. We're going to put you in a straight leg brace and send you home, and you call Kingman Orthopedic tomorrow. So I go home. It is a nightmare. I'm saying to her, I don't care. I'm healed. I'll stay up all night. I'll stay up for the next six days. I'm healed. I'm healed. I am not defined by my body. I'm healed. Tuesday comes. Thursday comes, I'm sorry. And you know what happens? I call Kingman Orthopedic, and guess what? Oh, we can get you in. January 13th. I said, well, that probably ain't going to work for me. So, well, you want the appointment or not? I said, nope, I'm healed. What? I'm healed. I'm good. Click. That was Thursday. By Saturday, I'm walking. By Sunday, zero pain. Zero. None. Tuesday, we go to Las Vegas to go for a few days off. We go to a hotel where their parking lot's about six miles away from the room, and we have to walk. And we walked all over the place, and I'm here today. No pain, healed. I'm not going to be defined. I pressed in. I pressed in. And that's what we have to do. He said, well, how long you got to do that? Until you see the result. Well, are you in denial? No, I wasn't in denial. Pain was real. I had hurt my leg. But there's a higher reality. And that higher reality is I'm healed. And if I would have died in that pain, 
I'd go to heaven healed. That's right. Amen. I'm healed. And you have to press in. That's prayer. That's the aggressiveness of prayer. Jack Hayford said these words. He says, the impossible faces us all. It storms, it fumes, it looms before us, stalking our days, pressing on our minds, bending our plans. It stands formably across our future, pierces our present, reaches out from our past. But there is a way to face impossibility. Invade it. Not with glib speech or high hopes, not in anger, not through stoical self-control, but with violence. Prayer provides the vehicle for this kind of violence. I read that statement and I thought about men like Jacob who wrestled with God and Daniel who prayed and fasted for 21 days. And I think about Hannah who prayed over and over against all odds to receive a son. And Elijah who is a man just like us. And the Bible says in James 5, 17 and 18, it says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months and he prayed again and then heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Listen church, we are no different than Elijah. It was not about Elijah, it was about God. It was about who we pray to. But we cannot, we cannot be undecided about this thing called prayer. We just can't. We have to push through. Jack Hayford went on to say this. He goes, prayer is not the mystical experience of a few special people, but an aggressive act in the face of impossibility. It is an act that may be performed by anyone who accepts the challenge. So what does the Bible say in Ephesians, our text? Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. In the Amplified Version, it says, Pray at all times on every occasion and every season in the Spirit with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in the behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. And in the Message Bible, it says it this way. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Now, in the context of Paul... Of, of, in the context of our text, Paul is, is spending considerable amount of time explaining the armor of God and preparing for battle. In Ephesians 12, he explains that the battle is not with flesh and blood, but it's against the powers of dark, this dark world and spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Your battle is not with your neighbor. Your battle is not with your boss. Your battle is not with your wife or your husband or your kids or some in-law somewhere or some friend that betrayed you. Your battle is with spiritual forces. In our text, he tells us that this battle is fought in prayer. Much has been won or lost because of prayer. Either Either we press into prayer and we win, or we back off and we end up becoming a victim of the circumstances around our lives. 
See, I think what we do is we underestimate the power of prayer. We undervalue the importance of it. See, prayer changes everything, church. I don't know that I can, I don't know that I can completely explain the chemistry of prayer in the human spirit. But there's something about it. There's something about prayer that establishes an atmosphere. And the more that you pray, the more <coughs> intense that atmosphere gets. Now, there are people that what they're saying, oh, man, you, here you go. You're, you're going to tell me I got to go pray for six, seven hours at a time. No, it's not, it's not what it is. What it is is that you're taking time often throughout the day to talk to God. Think about how a relationship works. It's not that Kathy and I sit down for six, seven, eight, ten hours at a time and have conversations. But all through the day, we are talking. Sometimes 30 seconds. Sometimes 10 seconds. Sometimes it might be a little bit longer. But we are communicating throughout the day. It might be in text. It might be on the phone. It might be in some other fashion. I might go pick her up for lunch or <clears throat> or whatever it might be, but we are in communication. And that's what he's talking about. And when we pray, when we do that, we talk to God. That chemistry of that, the, the dynamic of that spiritual reality creates an atmosphere about us. It encourages us. It strengthens us. It gives us resolve. He says it, he goes, actually, it will protect your, it'll, it'll release the peace of God that will keep your heart and your mind. There's something that's powerful about that. You can even be praying for a friend and not even praying for you and have the peace of God begin to pray, protect you yeah. and keep you even though your prayer is directed for someone else. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He goes on in uh, Psalms 55, verses 16 through 18. It says this, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. What is he doing? He's talking about the victory once again in context of this habit of prayer. Prayer is where we invade the impossible and stand against the powers of the enemy. Listen, whole communities have been changed by one praying person. Oftentimes I hear people say, oh, what difference can I make? I, I can't really make any difference. No, you can make a lot of difference. Because yeah, you may be one person and you may not have the money or the ability to travel or go, <clears throat> but you can send your prayers. You can affect the spirit. Look, at we, we have missionaries and people around the world that we work with. One of the things that they desperately need is our prayers. Yeah. Certainly they need finances and all of that, but one of the things they probably need more than anything is that we would be a praying people and lifting them up because we can change the dynamics in their world, their atmosphere, their, their, their situation. They pray for us, we can pray for them. And what it does is it begins to move something. It moves the hand of God. Whole nations have been changed by a few praying people. Whole lives have been turned around because of prayer. James 5.16 says this, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man 
avails much. This is God's word. He's giving us a, a meter, as it were. He's, you know, if, if you ever, if, you're, if you know anything about electricity, you know that they have various meters that can measure, and you can measure the power that is in a circuit. How, how many volts are there? A voltmeter. And so this, what he's saying, this, is, this verse is kind of like a voltmeter that says, look at the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, let me tell you something. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, if you are saved, if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, you are righteous. Yes. You are the righteous man or woman that he's talking about in this scripture. And your prayer, your effective, fervent, Prayer avails, or it is potent. It reaches its target and accomplishes its goal. There's no greater power on earth than prayer. <coughs> In John chapter 5, I'm beginning to wind this down because tonight I want to still take some time to pray for some folks. John chapter 5, verse 14 through 15, it says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Confidence is a position of faith. We have this confidence. We have this faith, this assurance, this certainty, this expectation that if we ask, that if we pray, our confidence is God's listening. Second Samuel chapter 22 verse 7 says, in my distress I called upon the Lord and I cried to my God and he did hear my voice out of his temple and my cry did enter into his ears. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, that's you, and his ears are open unto their prayers. That's why I don't deserve it. I've, I haven't done really well. It doesn't matter about what you did. It matters about what he did. You had faith in him. You looked to him. You said, I believe you are my Lord and my Savior. And he said, you're right, I am. Now I extend my righteousness to you. I became sin so you could become righteous. <clears throat> we have this confidence that if he hears us, he understands us. Yes, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says, <coughs> I have not coughed all day. I am not defined by this cough. I'm healed in Jesus' name. For we have not, uh, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, what he's saying is he's, he's, Jesus is not this high priest somewhere that, you know, has no understanding of what we go through. But he was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. In other words, he went through everything we go through, yet he did it perfectly without sinning. He says, let us therefore, so in other words, because of the fact that Jesus understands, 
Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. <coughs> Listen to me. Jesus understands. I don't care what you're going through today. I don't care what has befallen your life. I don't care what temptations you're dealing with. I don't care what problems your situation has brought about. I don't, it does not matter. Jesus understands. He does not understand from the side of sympathy. In other words, he is not sympathetic. Sympathetic is simply just going, yeah, you know, that... Wow, I feel sorry for you. Yeah, exactly. That life is tough. Glad I'm not you. That's not Jesus. Jesus comes from the point of empathy. In other words, he says, I've been there. I lived there. I've been betrayed. I've been tempted. I've been hurt. I've been beaten. I've been I've lost loved ones. I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to be poor. I know what it is to feel like you're lost. I know what it is to feel betrayed. I know what it is to have somebody stick the knife in your back. I know what it is to feel like what you feel like. I can relate. So here's two confidences. One, he hears us. Two, he understands us. And number three, the confidence is God will answer. 1 John 5, 5, uh, 5.15, we read it already. It says, and we know that he, if he hears us, so in other words, if your confidence is that he's hearing you, whatsoever you ask, then you know that you have the petition that you desire of him. In other words, he's going to answer you. Now look it, it may not be the answer you want. It may not come in the form that you want. It may not come in the time you want. In fact, it has been my experience that God is not on my calendar or my clock, that God does not consult me in when he decides to do something. God will answer the prayer, though. He will answer. And so the thing that I wanted to do tonight after we, we, we knew uh, that we were going to make the change here is I wanted to encourage you. I wanted to share with you because, you know, I was lamenting the other day in prayer. I was in the prayer room and, you know, you know how you get in prayer and you kind of just complain, whine a little bit. <laughs> you know, I was complaining and whining to God and, you know, because God, in the last couple of years of my life, he has really shown me some really cool stuff, man. I, I've, I, I've probably learned in the last 10 years of my life, I've learned more than the last 47 years of my life. I, I, I've learned so much. And I was lamenting, I was kind of talking to God, and I've, I've had this conversation with God before, and he always has the same answer. So why didn't you show me? I'm 57, why, why, why now? Why not when I was 27? I, I could have avoided a lot of stuff. And he said, just be glad you're not 87. And the reality is, is God doesn't work on our calendar, but God always works. And that's the thing. The thing that, that, that I'm coupling with this is there's a verse that I've committed to memory. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. 
Acknowledge him in all your way and he shall direct your path. So trust the Lord with all your heart. In other words, don't try to figure it out. Don't, don't trust him. And he says, and you know what? Don't lean on your understanding. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.